Oh yeah, Lord, we uh, thank you for your goodness and your presence uh, here with us this morning, and we thank you for your word and how you speak it to us, your word that is written, and the word that you speak by your spirit. And Lord, we uh, open our lives today, and we pray that you would accomplish in each one of us um, all that is your good pleasure to do so. We bless you, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Um, amen. <clears throat> well, how's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, good. <laughs> How do you answer a question like that? I know. Everybody's like, okay. Well, you know what? I, f- I feel like the Lord wants us to uh, pray for men here this morning, and I'm not sure exactly why. I know a couple of reasons. Um, the Lord showed me Paul McCombie back there. Paul, can, would you stand up? We'll just have you lead the pack. Um, uh, the Lord just sort of gave me a, a sense that um, you're more in the kingdom than you have realized, and you're in ministry more than you have realized. Now, you're a banker guy. I do know that. I don't know any more about that, but um, God's got more wealth in store than, uh, than anything in the kingdom, and he's, he's just putting right before you the capability of being, a uh, well, a clearinghouse, a dispenser, um, one who releases grace and mercy to the people who are around you. In order for that to happen, um, he will enlist your participation. You know, that means we've got to do something, whatever that is. He'll show you what that is. Maybe it's speaking. Maybe it's praying for somebody. Maybe it's praying behind the scene that nobody sees. Um, so I uh, just want to pray for you here for uh, just a minute. But before we do that, there are some other folks that the Lord kind of highlighted to me, and I can't... Um, oh, I know, David goes to... David's back there. Uh, David's a... Stand up, David. You're a, a marketplace kind of guy, too, and we want to uh, pray for you. And in back of you there, the John, why don't you stand up? You okay with your foot to stand? I know you've had an accident, and so you can stand up, kind of hobble. But um, both, of, both of you, all of you, each of you, are out there in the marketplace, and God knows that, and he's done that by design and with purpose so that his kingdom can be advanced uh, there in ways that couldn't be advanced had you not been there. Now, I've not said anything you don't already probably realize, um, but I want to pray for you all. And uh, so some of you who are around each of them, if you'll just kind of get around them, because I want to pray for the three of them. Uh, But here's what the Lord I felt like he wanted me to share as well, and that is if you're a man here, and you're out in the marketplace. Whatever, Mike Kuzma, you're in the marketplace. The Lord showed me you, and you're a dentist, and you're supposed to be renowned. No, I've never come to you, you know, for my <laughs> for my teeth. <laughs> How renowned is that? <laughs> but I felt like the Lord said, "Yeah, you're one of those who is in a technical craft, if you will, um, of." of helping people in their, you know, dental hygiene and all that stuff that you know far better than I am. But you're there for purpose, to extend the kingdom of God. So uh, stand up there, and um, Al, why don't you stand behind him, and you just join him there. Um, and now, now, as we pray for these who are standing, uh, men, if you're here and you go, you know, well, that's really me, but I really don't know why or what the Lord is calling me to, and you're a man... Uh, why don't you stand with the question before the Lord? Okay, Lord, here I am. I simply open up my life, and all of the days of my life from this day forward, 
I give to you, and I'm asking that you would then show me in very specific ways what you want to do in my life and how you want to do it. So, uh, men, stand up. Uh, there's some men up in the, the balcony standing up all around. Now, I believe God's going to begin to show those of you who are standing what that means. Um, Ralph Jensen, you're, you're the owner of the Master's Touch. Ralph has built all of this um, ornate woodwork, including the carving of the dove, many years ago. Is that amazing or what? Now, he does far more than that, um, but the Lord sees you there in the midst of the marketplace, and he says, you know what? There's yet fruit that you will see with your own eyes, in your own family, but also through you as you carve, as you refinish, as you build, as you work with the gifts that God's given to you, like the Old Testament artisans of old, uh, God will begin to use your giftings to expand his kingdom in the lives of many people. So uh, any other men who want in on this, just stand up and say, okay, that's for me. I'm telling you, you might not get how this works, and I don't, but something happens when you just stand up and go, okay, God, here am I. Uh, give me what you want to get. So uh, let's pray. Uh, Lord, I want to thank you for these men. That are, and some of you women, just stand up now and get around these men uh, so you can get the backwash, the backdraft of, of, the, of the gifting and the anointing that God gives. I'm telling you, God is not a respecter of persons. So up there in the balcony, God, I just thank you that there are legal minds here. There are uh, doctors. There are lawyers uh, there are bankers, there are craftsmen, there are artisans, there are salesmen. God, there are every uh, level and aspect of men that you have called by your Spirit. And so, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, would you begin to lay your hand upon their hearts and upon their lives and God, would you begin to release in them a fresh understanding of their calling, their identity, um, and their destiny uh, in your kingdom. God, we don't know how you do this, but we do know that you do it. Uh, not by our effort, uh, but by the working of your Spirit. So God, as we now lay our hands upon them, and as we uh, release unto them the full measure of your anointing, God, we're expecting right now, as hearts are open before you, that you would uh, break off any shame, any guilt, um, any... Um, I just sense the Lord saying there's stuff that's holding you back. That was the prophetic word that we had, that we're not yet walking in the full destiny that God has for us. So whatever is holding... Uh, these men back today, uh, God, break it off of them in the name of Jesus. Uh, the accusations and the slander of the enemy, Lord, uh, the whispering that they're inadequate, and yes, each of us are, but you're adequate, God. So right now, all of the shame, Lord, all of the guilt, all of the um, confusion about who they are as men in the kingdom God, we just release your spirit to accomplish in them and through them um, all that is destined and in store for them in the years to come. Lord, we bless you now in the name of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, oh, I just had a word. Same thing for me. Amen. I receive it. <laughs> bless you, Lord. Okay, have a seat if you would. 
And, um, <clears throat> you know, we were, I don't know what that word that Joseph was singing earlier, you know, was it Joseph you were singing? Uh, I, I know, you were singing. That's all I can remember. Look at... <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you a hug. Thank you, Lisa. Now, for anybody who has the heebie-jeebies about, oh, she's painting right in front of the cross, don't be religious. You know, she's just, you know what I'm saying? I mean, she, you know, she's not obscuring the cross. She's participating in the giftings of the Spirit. She happens to be standing in a position that can feel kind of strange for whatever reason. Uh, well, um, God's doing some good things, isn't he, in our midst, and he is um, a, continuing to accomplish with his church uh, today um, what he intends to accomplish. And by the way, we prayed for, for men today, but women, just, you know, women tend to jump in faster. Is, is that true or not? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, God, give it, you give it to me, man. You know, and men are like, oh, you know, what do people? Wait a minute. Um, what we've been talking about is learning to hear the voice of God, and that's a real important um, thing, real important topic for us to uh, understand from the Scripture. And there's lots of misunderstanding about the voice of God as well. And I don't purport to be um, uh, the, the resident professional. Uh, but I've learned some things along the way that God's shown me from His Word, and I want to share a little bit of that um, this morning for each of us as we uh, begin to think about. Now, we've been looking at royal sons and daughters, that God's taking us out of our poverty, out of our uh, pulpery, is that a word? Out of our um, bondage, if you will. And he's moving the church uh, into the recognition that we are his sons and daughters. And uh, as sons and daughters, we're learning how to live out of our true identity. Now, the enemy doesn't want you to realize your true identity. And that's why he slanders you. That's why he tries to get you to agree with him that you're a zero. Somebody say, yeah, amen. I know that one. Anybody know that one besides me? You will never amount to anything. And if you don't understand that, no, God, by his mercy, has called me into being his son, therefore I have identity because I am his father. I mean, I am his son. He is my father. That gives us identity. So we're learning how to live out of our true identity, um, and uh, we're also learning how to hear and how to speak um, out of our relationship with the Father. Now, that's actually why last week we looked at some of the core values of the kingdom. Um, and I sent those out via email because a number of you asked me. I went over 12 of them, and you said, oh, that's, you know, can you send them out? So I got them. Can I have them in print? And I did. So if you don't get those emails, call Vicki and get your email address on our, uh, whatever that's called, database, so that when we send them out, you can get them. So we looked at core values last week, and one of them is God speaks to us more than we realize, or God speaks to us more than we want to listen, is the way I framed it, but it means that God's always speaking. 
And uh, we looked at these core values and um, how those core values impact our lives. And um, we examined, for example, last week, um, what I called, I think I called them paradigms of negativity. You know, when I said that there's been a study, there's 12,000 words that we think per minute, 1,100 of them are negative, 100 of them are positive. And if we're not careful, we can use that negative filter to see God and to see ourselves and to see other people. And out of that fractured, broken, wounded human uh, side, we misunderstand the the character, the nature, and the purpose of God. Um, So we've examined these core values and how they impact what we think we hear and what we think we should speak. So... uh, Having said that, let me give you a few scriptures as a foundational sort of moving forward uh, platform. The one is we looked at two weeks ago in John 15, that's chapter 15, verse 15, where Jesus uh, said this, um, I no longer call you servants, uh, rather I call you, four of you remembered. (laughs) I no longer call you servants, I call you, Friends, why? Um, For all that I have heard from the Father, I've made known to you. In other words, one of the ministries of Jesus is to impart to his people, his friends, secrets of the kingdom. Now, we're going to look at those secrets in just a moment because sometimes they're a little bit obscured, and they're obscured for a reason. A second text, if you go back to John chapter 14, In verse 26, it says, Jesus was saying, now when the helper comes, um, those of you who are in marketplace ministry, you understand you're going to need a helper. (laughs) You don't try to do this in your own steam. Um, Jesus said, when the helper, the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you all things. Now the ministry of teaching uh, by the Spirit mirrors the ministry of speaking. Holy Spirit will never teach. He can't teach without speaking. Let me give you an illustration. I'm going to give you a phrase, and I want you to remember it. Here it is. Did you get it? Of course not. I'm being silly. In other words, you can't get what isn't spoken. God will teach us by His Spirit, and the way He teaches is for us to understand what He speaks. So Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, uh, He'll teach you all things. Amos uh, chapter 3, verse 7 says this, The Lord God does nothing unless He reveals His secrets to His servants, the prophets. God said He won't do anything unless He first tells his, those who are listening, those who are being taught by the Spirit, those who have prophetic anointing. Now if you fast forward uh, to the New Testament, all of those of us who are in the kingdom have at our disposal all of the giftings of the Spirit, one of which is the gift of prophecy. And Amos said, God does nothing without first revealing his secrets to the, prom- to the prophets. And he, here we are as participants and those who are, have received the gifting of the Spirit who gives us the capacity to both hear uh, and understand what he speaks to us. We're the prophets. You say, well, I'm not a prophet. Well, no, there's a gift of prophecy, though, that is available to every one of us who wants it. Every one of us. And we'll look at that here in just a minute. 
so, and finally, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, most of you know, it says that it will come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Come on, girls. Your daughters will prophesy. Come on, men. Your sons shall prophesy. It, afterwards, it's the, the Lord says, afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all men and women, boys and girls, sons and daughters, and what you will do is have the capacity to both hear and speak out of hearing the secrets of the kingdom. Say, I am one. See, I am a man or a woman in the kingdom and Jesus now lives in me and he's given me the capacity to therefore hear if I know how to hear and to speak what I'm uh, hearing, those secrets that he gives to me. Of course, Jesus fulfilled that in Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 7. We see the fulfillment of this prophetic text on the giving of the Holy Spirit. Um, So now, when we look at this... um, what is prophecy and how do we then process uh, prophecy? Uh, let me first say prophecy is one of the gifts of the Spirit. Now I know probably all of you know where these are found. They're in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter uh, 4. There are numerous places where they're listed, uh, but the gifts of the Spirit are actually given Uh, to people who are hungry and humble. They're not given on the basis of your merit or having earned them. But here's what you need to understand about gifts of the Spirit. They're only given to people who are hungry and people who are humble. Now, why would I say that? To those who are self-satisfied, that's what's the opposite of hunger? I'm not hungry. I'm satisfied with where I am. And see, that's what the prophetic word came forth. For those who are satisfied where you are, you're not hungry. And God, uh, by His grace, releases hunger in us and then humility to receive uh, what He graciously gives to us. And without um, having humility, what does God do? Anybody? Oh, we got some rumbling. What does God do? You don't count, Jim. You can't say it. What does, what does God do if you're not humble? He does what? He might humble you. Well, he might do that. What else would he do? He resists. The woman that painted in front of us got it. Okay. See, God takes hungry people, and on the basis of their hunger, he begins to satisfy their quest. And on the basis of their humility, he's not resisting them, but he's pouring out more upon them. So if you're self-satisfied and the opposite of humility is prideful, you'll get nothing from the Lord. Oh, you'll be saved and you'll be in heaven, but by the skin of your teeth, sort of. Now, contrasted to that, God wants his people to be hungry and humble and recognizing that they don't have all that they need, but God has everything that we need. So we come to him hungry and humble and saying, okay, God, I need more of your presence. I need more of your anointing. I need more of what you have in store uh, for me. So uh, prophecy then uh, is one of the gifts of the Spirit, and like all of the gifts of the Spirit, it needs to be pastored and encouraged. Now that's one of the reasons why I think the Lord has told me, uh, actually has sort of booted me out of the nest and said, you begin to prophesy to the people. 
And I said, <laughs> well, I won't tell you what I said. But I said, God, who am I? Isn't that what Moses said? You're going to lead these people out of Egypt. Who am I? Uh, to, to Abraham, you know, I'm going to, you're going to be blessed and all the people of the earth will be blessed with you. And Abraham said, oh, who am I? That's the question every one of us asks. But when we begin to get the answer from God that you're exactly who I called you to be, you were a man or a woman of destiny, that we finally start to get it. Wow! And we begin to then walk in that destiny and that identity. So I've been prophesying. This is called simple prophecy. You've never heard me give a corrective word. You've never heard me giving a, given a directional word. You need to go do this. Or, woe is you because. Now that isn't to say there isn't direction and correction that needs to come to the body. There is, but this isn't the forum for that to happen. If God gives me a corrective word or a directional word, I will come to you and I, I will call you on the phone. We will get together and I'll say, look, you need to process this and I'll go through all the disclaimers and then I'll give you that word and put it at your door and let you prayerfully consider uh, through it. So prophecy then is uh, one of the gifts of the Spirit, and like all of the gifts, it needs to be pastored and encouraged. Therefore, I've been um, doing simple prophecy so that you all could begin to see what it is, and then most of you will begin to go, oh, I can do that. And everybody should go, uh, duh. See, that's the point. I can do that. Now, not in your flesh, but you can do that. Everybody shake your head and go, I can do that. Some of you did. You all can do uh, that. Now, all of the gifts of the Spirit must be in a, a de developed in a context of permission giving. That is, giving permission to fail. Now, um, I was thinking about, how about a father who would say to his, let's say, four-year-old son, uh, when he gives him a new 20-inch uh, bicycle. Now picture this. No training wheels and say, Son, today you're going to learn how to ride this bicycle. But what if Daddy said, But you need to know that you're going to crash. Not only are you going to crash, you'll probably break your nose. You might lose a tooth. Anybody lose teeth on a new bi little bicycle? My brother did. You see, what kind of father would say that? No, what we usually do is we buy a little bicycle and we put on a little training wheels because we know that when you start riding a bike for the very first time, guess what? You're pretty wobbly. Do you know what they have now? I don't know what they're called. They're these little bikes who don't have training wheels, nor do they have pedals. Anybody know what they're called? Strider? It's a little bitty bicycle. It doesn't have training wheels and it doesn't have pedals. Doesn't know I have one? Or, or Warren? It, 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 in other words, all they do is they just get out there and they sit on this thing and they, they just use their feet. Where's tennis shoes down to a nub? But what they're doing at 18 months old or 24 months old, they're learning how to balance themselves on the bicycle. They don't have wheels. They don't have pedals. But I'm telling you, those little guys now, it doesn't take very long at all until they're on a real bicycle, no training wheels and pedals, and they're off to the races. Now, you're developing a permission-giving atmosphere where all of the gifts have to be given permission to fail. That's why I've been doing this. And uh, we'll look at um, 
how do we understand some of the words that I've given and that, that we're given. But there are um, four aspects. We have to have a permission-giving atmosphere where it's okay to fail. That's what I just tried to say. Now, there are four aspects of most prophetic words. This is Prophecy 101. There are four aspects of most prophetic words. One is what God says. We might call that revelation, what God says. Uh, And the second area or category of a prophetic word is not the revelation, but what I do with it, and that's, that's the interpretation. So there's revelation, and then I have to interpret that, and then thirdly, there's application. Now what do I do with it once I interpret it? Correctly, And there's a fourth component, and that is what's the timing of it. So there's revelation, interpretation, application, and timing. Now, uh, what we have to learn as a people is that um, it's really okay uh, to evaluate um, uh, prophecy. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts, there are... There's word of wisdom, word of knowledge, um, prophecy, uh, discernment, uh, uh, tongues, interpretation, healing, you know, etc., etc. But Paul says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. Now, now why? The third verse, two verses later, 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, because he who prophesies speaks to edify, that means to build up, uh, to exhort or to encourage or to give comfort. Anybody here who needs building up encouragement or comfort? Anybody? Anybody else? We always need it. What if we understood that God does nothing without first telling His secrets to His prophets? And we recognize that we are one. And that God wants to speak to me more than I want to listen. And more importantly, He has people out there who need to hear, and they're not going to hear unless God speaks something through you to them. So, we need to recognize then that, uh, that the prophetic must be earnestly desired because it builds up, encourages, and gives comfort. Now, prophecy has to be evaluated. All prophecy needs to be evaluated. And, and that doesn't mean by um, being evaluated by immature, critical people. That's not what evaluation means. But it needs to be uh, evaluated on the basis of wisdom and maturity. Let me give you a couple of scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 32 says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. In other words, if you give a prophetic a word, or you receive a prophetic insight, that's, remember, revelation, interpretation, application, timing. If you receive something from the Lord, and the Lord then tells you to speak it to somebody else, uh, you need to recognize that it needs to be evaluated. So evaluation is an important part of speaking. We have to be responsible. So be, and the spirit of the prophet is always subject to the prophet. Some people occasionally say, I couldn't help myself. I had to speak. Yes, you could. Because a prophetic word always takes um, a, a lower place uh, to your will. It's not your word, but God gives the speaker the unique capacity to 
interpret whether to speak it and when to speak it and how to speak it so you're responsible therefore uh, for it. That's why Galatians 5.23 says one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Remember the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. If you're going to speak a word from God, you're responsible for it to prayerfully seek the Lord about speaking it, but then to step out in faith and speak it with the recognition uh, that God wants you um, to speak that word under the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit, but specifically understanding the, the fruit of self-control. Uh, and then I'll give you one more text. 1 Corinthians 14:29 says uh, this, Let two or three prophets speak and the others pass judgment. Now what have I said? If you speak, you're responsible. You're responsible for the timing of giving it. God, should I speak this at all or should I just hold on to this? Should I just hear it and then pray for the person, which is a viable option? Uh, but if I speak it, you show me what I speak and how to speak it with the recognition that it will be um, judged by others. Now, then we judge the source of the word. Now, what do we mean by judge the source of the word? Um, when a person gives you a prophetic word, or if you have something you believe you should speak to someone else, um, one of the first things that I try to do is go, God, are you sure? Because I know me, I can err on different sides. Are you sure? And he said, yeah, I want you to do this. I'm going to pray for, I want you to pray for men, and I'm going to highlight a couple of them. And I go, okay. So I called a few of, of you out. Now, um, we judge the word on the basis of its source. And uh, the, w- what are the sources of the word that's given? Is it God, the Spirit of God? Does it come from the spirit of a man or a woman? That means their flesh. Um, or does it come from a demonic source? Ooh, that just umped up the, the ante a little bit to discern because the, the, the enemy can disguise himself as an angel of light. He can sound pretty good and he can look pretty good. That's why we need to be discerning and the word needs to be judged when it's given. So what's the source of that word? Spirit of God, human spirit, demonic spirit. Now, let me give you one, two, three, four, five levels of, of sort of a grid through which you can determine um, the source of a word. Uh, the first one is, is the word congruent with what the Scripture teaches? You say, oh, Holy Spirit told me. And if the Holy Spirit told you anything, it's going to be consistent with what the Holy Spirit's been saying for a long time. You understand what I'm saying? So is it congruent or consistent with Scripture? And that means, does it reveal the heart of the Father? But then reveal the heart of the Father, then you need to process and pray and just ask the Lord a little bit more. So the second one then is a congruent with Scripture. Does the Word bear witness with the Spirit to the one who receives it? So if anybody gives you a, a, a word and, Mike, you go, you know, it's your responsibility to, uh, to, to ask the question, does it bear witness to what God's already been sp- saying to me? If yes, then yes, confirmation. If no, then you judge it and you, uh, we'll look at what to do with it here in just a minute. Now, if the person who receives the word, um, are they brought closer to the Lord, are they encouraged, and are they brought closer to God's people? That's another way you can tell whether the Word is the source of the Word. Congruent with Scripture, bear witness to the spirit of the person. Um, are they brought closer to the Lord? And then fourthly, are, 
or church leaders in agreement with the word and its interpretation, if applicable. Now, if I were to give a word of direction or a word of correction, number one, I wouldn't do it in this context, but if I were to go to somebody and give them a word of correction, I would be sure that there are church leaders that are involved in that and go, yeah, we really hear, that's probably what you need to do, do it in love, and so you go and have the the backing of of church leaders. Um, In that case, it would be applicable. Uh, Does it then edify or build up uh, a person? Does it encourage them? That means to encourage, to release courage or release strength. Does it strengthen them? Um, or does it give them uh, comfort? Does it bring them comfort? So these are some grids that you can use to, to judge the source of the word. And then finally, um, prophesy, prophesying is often an invitation to join God in what he's doing and his mission in the world. In other words, prophecy isn't a thus saith the Lord, this is what you're going to be doing. No, it's a, hey, this is what I'm doing and I'm inviting you to come along. It's a sign. And the sign is so that we can see it and then follow God and what He wants to do with us and uh, in our midst, in our own heart, and through our ministry in this life in which we live. So we judge the source of a word. Is it congruent with Scripture? Does it bear witness? Does it bring us closer? Uh, is it in agreement with other leaders? Does it build up? And it's an invitation to, to, to follow God and what He's doing in the world. Now let me give you a couple more things here and uh, we'll conclude. And that is when we hear the Lord speaking, and when he tells us to then speak, how much of it is God and how much of it is actually us? Do you ever ask that question? I have all the time. God, is this just me? Now, if you're not careful, many of you have been hearing God for a long time, and you have been answering that question by saying, this is just me. Now, let me give you um, an example. This is not my example, but I found it very helpful Uh, If what comes from God in its pure form, we will say, is the color blue. God's pure word, and everybody said, is the color blue. Okay. Uh, What comes from me as a person is from me and is the color red. Everybody say, what comes from you and me is red. Okay, when God speaks, he doesn't speak blue. Here's some. God is saying to me right now, now listen carefully. You get it? God needs red in order to speak blue. Otherwise, when God says, this is what you hear. Want to hear it again? You see what I'm saying? In other words, God is blue, and he, he, when He speaks, He uses people, red, in order to speak what is Him, which is always the color purple. No, purple. <laughs> Look at the lady with the purple hair. All right, come on. <laughs> you see, when God speaks, He can't speak blue and, and when we speak, we can only speak red. When God speaks, it's always purple because He speaks to the likes of us. And now, now I use that illustration for us to recognize uh, that God wants to speak to us and uh, we are together in life and in ministry with God. Where does God live? 
Somebody be bold and say, right there in my heart. Holy Spirit lives within me and He wants to speak and He always speaks blue to me. But when I speak for Him, I always speak purple. Now if I'm speaking red, it's just me. If it's only blue, you probably won't get it. But when it's purple, God is teaming up with the likes of us to bring forth a word of encouragement. Uh, so the color purple has now a different meaning for those of you um, who are here today. You see, we are together in life and ministry with God, and it doesn't mean that we're always 100% right. That's why, now I'm going to close here in just a couple of texts, but First Thessalonians uh, 5, 19 through 21 uh, says this. There are four parts of it, I think. The first one is don't quench the spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 Don't quench the Spirit. Now, I don't know how many of you were here when I brought the little piece of garden hose in. And you see, God wants to flow through us as if we were a hollow conduit. Quenching the Spirit is when you take the hose and crimp it and say, no purple's coming through me because I'm fearful that it'll only be red. And you'll stay immature and never trust God. But when you recognize God wants to speak purple through the likes of us, you uncrimp the hose and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't trust me. I'm going to trust you. So the first thing of this text in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, don't quench the spirit. And the second thing is, don't despise prophetic utterance. Now, why would Paul say that? Don't despise prophetic utterance, because that's a real common thing to do. Either despising it in yourself, I'm not going to look like a fool. Anybody know that? I'm not going to risk falling off of my bicycle in front of people. I'm afraid I'm only, I can't get it right, so I despise it in myself, or you have been hurt by someone speaking more red than purple, and you have said, no, I'm not doing this prophetic thing, and you begin to despise the word that the Lord would want to speak either to you or through you. So don't quench the Spirit, don't despise prophetic utterance, but thirdly, examine everything carefully. Now why would God say, examine everything carefully? Come on, anybody? Yeah, it needs to be examined carefully. Because sometimes you'll get a mixture, and that's okay. So you, you examine everything carefully, and the fourth thing it says is hold fast to what is good. Now doesn't that take the pressure off? Hold fast. See, God is saying that when you get a word, you pray, okay, God, I'm going to speak this, um, and, and if so, I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm just going to trust you. And if you're the receiver of that word, it's your responsibility to judge it, to evaluate it, to process it, and to determine its veracity, its application, its interpretation, and its timing for you. You're responsible to go, yeah, that's, that relates. To, I can hear God in that, and it's encouragement. Or you learn how to, okay, I'm going to hear the, the word, I'm going to eat the meat, and I'm going to throw away the bone throw away uh, the bone would be like um, uh, 
holding fast to what is good. But not everything's good. So you've got to have a mechanism for throwing out the bones. Anybody like rotisserie chicken beside me? How many of you eat the bones? Probably very few of us. Might get some if they're really cooked up, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but we get rid of the bones. Now, even in Jerusalem, in fact, in Israel, they had a refuge gate. What do you think went out the refuge gate? Refuge. The, the bones and other stuff. Yeah, people have a refuge gate. I'm getting in kind of... You know what I'm saying? We, we have to eliminate the bad. And that's what Paul's saying here about prophecy. Um, hold fast to that which is, don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophetic utterance, examine everything, and hold fast to what is good. See, it's possible to quench the spirit, crimp the hose, and, and restrict the flow of God's movement in your life. It's possible um, to get it right partly, and that's okay. Revelation, interpretation, application, uh, timing. Let me give you an example. Um, it's possible to get it partly right. God comes to Abraham and speaks to him in blue. You're going to have a baby in your old age. You'll become the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Can you imagine how that would feel if God came to you and said that to you? Well, by and by, you know, time unwound and... uh, it appeared that God wasn't coming through to his word. Now, you know what Abraham did and his wife Sarah. They got together and they thought red. And they said, God has spoken to us blue, but they're going to figure it out in their own timing. So let's take my handmaiden, Hagar, and you, Abraham, go into her and receive her as if she is your second wife and she'll bear a child for you. The child of the promise. They bore a child and they were given the name to the child Ishmael. Now the point is, we've got to be real careful when we hear something that the Lord speaks that we, we, we determine are we to get out of the way or are we to prepare the way. And there's a difference. Now let me illustrate it just a little bit further. Time then went on, and Ishmael grew up, and he was in his teens. And the Lord came back to Abraham and said to him, in blue, you are going to have a child of the promise. I know you try to do it in your own strength, in your own timing. And he didn't say all that, but you, know, you get, the, get what's going on here. And Abraham said, okay. And Sarah snickered, laughed. <laughs> and will we to have pleasure in our old age? And God said, yeah, you will have a child. Now here's the point. Abraham had to be involved with the birth of Ishmael, the very same way he had to be involved with the birth of Isaac. Y'all catch what I'm saying? Sarah and Abraham had to physically get together. Have, you know, you know what I'm talking about. There's only one way to make a baby. Now, here's the point. What what went wrong in the first uh, participation in the event? See, we got to, get out of the way sometimes, or sometimes we just got to prepare the way. It was all about God's timing and His purposes, and now that's there for a reason. Because you and I can, can sometimes prepare the way when we hear a word. We're going to say, you know what, God spoke it, and this, I'm just going to do it, I'm going to walk in it, and I'm going to do it in my own strength. Anybody know that besides me? We're going to do it 
in our own strength, in our own timing. And what comes out of that mix is usually what Abraham discovered uh, was in not the child of the promise, uh, but an Ishmael. Now, God still enlisted his uh, participation in the birth of Isaac, and you all know how that one um, ended out. Now, here's what I want you to see. Um, we have to examine everything. We have to hold fast to what is good. We have to eat the meat, and we have to get rid of the bones, and we need to sometimes get out of the way and let God do it. And other times, God says, no, you're part of this. You're in the equation. This isn't going to be red. This isn't going to be blue. This is going to be purple, and this is what we're going to do. Uh, so all prophetic words then begin with secrets from the Father's heart. That's why they're revelation. Secrets. You see Amos 3. God does nothing by, without first uh, speaking his secrets to his, his servants, the prophets. Uh, we get permission from the Father to share the word anytime he speaks to it. That's why with much fear and trepidation, I, you know, I, and God, I go, God, is, are you sure? Do I speak this? And is this the time? And uh, if yes, then I speak. If no, um, I don't. Um, the prophet Bob Jones, uh, the late uh, Bob Jones, said this, Men are known on earth by the things they share, but they're known in heaven by the secrets they keep. God doesn't want you to speak everything you hear. There are intercessors here in this auditorium right now. And you have probably learned through the school of hard knocks and experience, like most of us, that when God speaks a secret to your heart, uh, sometimes he doesn't say, or he never always says, speak this and blab it to everybody you know. He might speak a word, God wants me to be praying for the pastor. And I would go, yes, amen. But he probably hasn't called you to, we need to pray for the pastor, because he's, you know, he's, you know, and, and you, God speaks his secrets, but we then hold on to those secrets and ask him what we should do uh, with them. Now, let me end with this. In Proverbs 25, verse 2. 25 verse 2, uh, it says this, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. Now I'm going to answer the question for us, why is this thing of hearing God so confounded difficult? You don't know what I'm saying? Proverbs 25.2 says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter but it's the glory of kings to search a matter out. Now if you let your mind kind of wander back through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you remember that Jesus often used parables to teach the people. And we've all been taught that Jesus you know, spoke parables because he was just using good old homespun illustrations to communicate to common people. No, he wasn't. The scripture specifically says why he was preaching or teaching to them in parables. So that in hearing, they wouldn't hear. Or in seeing, they couldn't see. 
See, see, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of kings to find it out. The people who understood the parables, that the teaching, the truths, the secrets of the kingdom that God was communicating through Jesus, they were the real deal. In other words, we could put it this way, God hides his mystery of the kingdom for us, not from us. You see the difference? God hides the mysteries or the secrets of the kingdom for us, but not from us. And in hiding them, uh, hiding them is what draws out the glory of your own personal identity and destiny before God. So that by and by, the uh, disciples were able, you know, they came to Jesus and said, we don't get it. And Jesus said, well, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. Now, that can kind of puff you up here for a minute, but it's an incredibly humbling thing when you recognize the God of the universe has chosen to speak his secrets and his mysteries to a people, though he hides it from many people out there, concealing it for them, for those who are hungry and humble, you will seek it out, and it's your glory to find it out. In other words, it reveals your identity as a king. Well, somebody ought to say, whoa, that's good, man. That's awesome. God's showing me some good stuff. Guess what he's showing you? Not just good stuff. He's showing you you got the heart of the king. You're my son. That's why I'm showing you this good stuff. You're my daughter. You know, that's why I've, I've, I've concealed this stuff from many, but I'm revealing it to you and for you because you're a king. You're a prince. You're a princess. And those who get it will never be the same. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your amazing grace that you pour out upon each one of us. Lord, your mercy um, is everlasting. God, you just uh, give us so much. Lord, thank you that you are um, hiding things, not from us, but for us, in order to reveal our calling, our destiny, and our identity as uh, kings, if you will, sons and daughters of the king. So, Lord, um, I just want to pray today as we close that you would reveal to each one of us um, a fresh hunger uh, and a fresh humility. And, Lord, from that place um, of revealing uh, a fresh hunger and um, humility, God, you're going to birth something fresh. Uh, Well... Let me just pray. I want to activate something. And what that means is if you're here this morning and uh, God's given you a measure of hunger to know him more and to participate with him more than you have yet participated. And if he's giving you a humility to go, God, I, I, I know there's so much more than I have yet seen or understood. Um, God, I'm gonna, um, I want to ask you 
that you would release something fresh in my life. If that's you, I just want you to stand, ask you to stand where you are, and I want to pray for you. You say, I've been a Christian for 50 years, 30 years, 20 years, it doesn't matter, but I know there's so much more, and I'm simply standing as a hungry man and as a hungry woman and as a humble servant and friend of Jesus and asking you to impart uh, a fresh release of revelation uh, into my life. So God, right now I just want to ask you to begin to impart something to the sons and the daughters of you the King. Lord, it doesn't happen with great falterall and ceremony and all the rest. It's just you always look upon the heart that's hungry and on the life that's thirsty and upon the life that's humble and saying, God, I want you to release and stir something fresh by your Spirit in me right now in the name of Jesus. So you just ask him and you're quiet and, and your own words, uh, God, I want to take the next step. Now, if you're here today, as we continue to stand, and we're going to be dismissed now in just a few seconds, but if you're here today, and you know what, you've never really given your life completely to Jesus, you know, you're, you're still holding on to some chips, <laughs> like poker, you know, and you've put some in the pot, but not all, and, and if you today want to say, okay, God, here they all are, I'm all in, and I want to say by my standing that I now belong to you completely. And I trust that you're going to help me walk this thing out. And I'm going to ask you to stand if you've not already stood and simply make that declaration uh, to God in your own words, very quietly and just silently. Say, God, here I am. You know my life and you know what I've been holding on to. And uh, Lord, I want to withhold nothing from you because I believe that you're good. I believe that you sent Jesus to be my Savior, and Lord, I'm now giving all that I am to him, and I'm asking you to give all that he is to me. <laughs> Thank you, God, that you do that when we in faith receive. So, Lord, uh, if you've not yet stood, just join those who are standing, and would you receive now today's benediction. While I ask some of our elders and our prayer partners and uh, ministry team, if you would come, we want to make ourselves available to you today. You might have a need for a physical um, uh, need in your life, and you want to ask God to really touch your body and heal it. Maybe you want to stand in for somebody else. Maybe you want to have somebody just pray for you the prayer of agreement uh, while we slip out. So God, I want to say to these people now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord uh, lift up His face, His countenance upon you and give you His peace because He's smiling at you right now. God, may the Lord right now release in your midst a fresh impartation of his life, his love, and even his laughter because you belong to him and because he lives his life in you. Receive that today with thanksgiving and in faith. Would you come for prayer? Would you share with those as you slip out? Maybe God's given you a word for somebody today. And you want to say to them, you know what, I'm on the training wheels today. 
uh, and I'm a little shaky, but I believe God wants me to share something with you. May I do that? And uh, just share that with the person um, as you're slipping out. Father, bless your people. Thank you for them. And everybody said together, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day today. If you'd like special prayer, come up. We'll worship and hang out with Jesus and pray uh, for all who have a special need.